everyone. Yes, I do mean you. It's me, Silver Daddy. Are you ready for another exciting adventure, a.k.a. trip or trippin' with me? We're about to discover and share some amazing life stories. If I take a few sudden tangent turns along the way, don't worry, because I'll find our way back. Come on, climb aboard, and buckle up, because we are ready to start another great episode of Trippin' with Silver Daddy. everyone welcome to this week's trippin with silver daddy and i just arrived in memphis and i heard about this place from my friends it's called the one and only barbecue and i just had their barbecue and it had that hickory smoke taste that i've been wanting because we don't have barbecue in florida let me tell you nothing like this do you know there's four main types of barbecues you have the Memphis barbecue, you have Kansas City, you have Texas, and you have the Carolina barbecue. All different, and I don't have time to go into each one of those. But the Memphis barbecue, people in Memphis like their pork. And it's like one of my favorites. They like, they like the pork shoulder, and they also like the barbecue, the ribs, pork ribs. I do a lot of shoulder, and I do pulled pork, and they do pulled pork here. But in, in Memphis, they either do, it's primarily a rub city, but some people still like it wet. I'm a wet guy, let me tell you. So I do mine wet. But the rub is really good. And the rub in Memphis is mainly brown sugar, pepper, salt, and some family spices. That's what makes everyone's barbecue different. But instead of me trying to tell you the whole story, they wrote this wonderful story about what the owners were doing. And I kind of want to share that with everyone. Because it says, in the fall of 2011, during a lively discussion at a weekly poker game, already liking these owners already, the owners of one and only barbecue had a similar vision. A vision of a great little barbecue restaurant. A place that treated people special. We pondered if we could compete in Memphis because there's so many different barbecue places in Memphis. So they were worried if they could actually compete because the city is so proud of its barbecue. Some even say that it's the barbecue capital of the world. Only people from Memphis say that, let me tell you. Because I'm not from Memphis, and I'm not going to say it's the barbecue capital of the world. I know, I mean, I have friends in Texas that would argue that one. But, so, they started making... Let's see, where are we at in my story here? And then it said, even some said it was barbecue capital of the world. Five years later, one and one only barbecue made it to the final five in the commercial appeals Memphis Most. So they made the top five within their first five years. That's pretty impressive. 
because there's a lot of barbecue joints in Memphis that win nationally. But what's even better, not only are they became a big hit, but they do a lot of different things. So they talk about how barbecue takes a lot of work, and it does. So they say they smoke their meats daily at each of the locations over hickory wood. The wood is important, you know. And just for you out there that aren't familiar with smoking, don't just try to smoke anything. Know what you're doing because some tree bark and tree chips, you can't use in a smoker because they can be actually be poisonous, especially if you live in Florida, like where I'm from. We have, a, we have one of the most poisonous trees in the world that grows around our houses. You don't want to be smoking that stuff. Got to know the stuff you want to smoke. So they smoke your stuff daily. It's always fresh, never frozen, and it's seasoned for up to 15 hours. You know, seasoning it, that's what breaks down the muscle fibers and makes it more tender. I'm just going to tell you, they do a great job, and they have this dish that also won them some awards that I had tonight. It's a potato dish that I'm looking for. I'll tell you one thing. This potato side dish, it was incredible. I also had the barbecue baked beans. I, I know my baked beans too. But here's what I like about this place. Not only are they doing all this smoking and they have a great barbecue, but I thought this is the coolest idea. Look behind me, where the bathrooms are. They have where when you come out, you wash your hands. You can check to make sure everyone washes their hands. I needed that when my daughter was little. Cause when she was in the ladies room, I never knew she washed her hands. You come here, I could see if my daughter washed her hands. That is something every restaurant needs. Hey everyone, we are going to have fun in Memphis. This is my first night here, and we'll see what we're going to do tomorrow. So here's what I need you to do. I need you to listen to my sponsors, and I'll be right back. I don't know where I'll be, but we'll be back somewhere. Hey, you're listening to Trippin' with Silver Daddy. Now you guys stay around. Don't go anywhere. You listen to that sponsor. I'll be back. Do you want to upgrade your home to maybe waterfront property or looking for investment property here in Broward or West Palm Beach counties and you want it to be hassle-free and stress-free and drama-free? Then you need real estate agent Mark. He has years of customer service and knows this market. Let me tell you, the great thing about real estate agent Mark is he always answers his phone. He's never missing an action. This is why I recommend real estate agent Mark to my family, friends, and you, my followers. So it doesn't matter if you live in New York, LA, Dubai, Rome, London, or Rabbit Hash, Kentucky. If you're looking to buy real estate in South Florida, contact real estate agent Mark. You can contact him at Palm Beach Realtor for you.com. Hey everyone, welcome back to Trippin' with Silver Daddy. And I'm here still in Memphis and I'm at probably, it is 
one of the world's most famous recording studio. Not talking just in the United States, I'm talking about in the entire world. I am outside of Sun Studios. Sun Studios is the birthplace of rock and roll. Yes, here in Memphis, this is where rock and roll started. And that's because inside that studio is where Elvis Presley recorded his first record. Now, not just Elvis Presley, a lot of famous people. Talk about that in just a minute. This was started in 1950 by Sam. Gotta look for his name, Sam Phillips. Sam Phillips started actually the Memphis Recording Studio, and then two years later it became Sun Recording. And Sam was really into the African American sound, the blues sound. And that's where rock and roll kind of generated and came from is this blues. And he was really into that. Then he met Elvis. And lucky for him, he signed Elvis. That's why Elvis recorded like his first 20 something songs in this studio. But it wasn't just Elvis. I mean, Johnny Cash, Ray Orbis Orbison, Carl's Pickens. There's a lot of famous people who recorded from here. So this is where actually rock and roll all started. Here's a funny little fact, an interesting thing about this. And it's in regards to Johnny Cash. When Johnny Cash recorded his first number one hit song, I Walk the Line, he wanted a snare drum sound on it, but the studio had no snare drums. So what did he do? The guy's a genius, I'll tell you that much. He took a dollar bill and he wrapped it underneath his guitar string. And then he played and that dollar bill rattled with the vibration of the strumming of the guitar and gave it almost a snare sound. The guy's a genius! But a lot of people actually recorded in the studio, as I've been saying. And it's a must-stop place because it is history. And you probably hear a lot of cars because right on a very busy street of Marshall and Union, and we're only blocks from the famous Beale Street. Now you can still take tours of this place. You can only buy your tickets today of, and they do tours during the daytime, and they still record at night. It is still a live recording studio, so you can re they do recordings at night still in the studio. I am here at the legendary Sun Studios in Memphis. And we're gonna take a short break and go hear our sponsors. And I'm gonna go get warm because it's like just a couple degrees above freezing. Hey, listen to my sponsors, I'll be right back. 
Hi everyone, I am in my favorite place. Because as soon as you walk in, the smell of this high quality leather overtakes you. Yes, I'm at Leatherworks, my favorite place to shop. They have the highest quality of leather products in the Southeast. No, no, I'm not just talking about Southeast Florida. I'm talking about the entire Southeast of the United States. Their products are the highest quality leather and a lot of them are made right here. And the great thing about Leatherworks is they do not discriminate against size. So even me, Daddy Bear, I can even find things that fit me here at Leatherworks. But it's not just leather, everyone. If you have a fetish, I guarantee you they have the fetish gear that you may want, let's just say. They have a lot of things to choose from. Go online to leatherworks.com and that's works, W-E-R-K-S. And while you're there, you can check out, they have specialty classes. You know, if you have like a fetish and you wanna learn more about, you can go there and join the lifestyle program because then you get discounts on in-store promotions. Hey everyone, make sure you go to Leatherworks. That's works with W-E-R-K-S and you can buy online. Welcome back everyone. And I am outside of Graceland. Graceland is famous because it's Elvis Presley's home. And he's buried on the property here. Elvis Presley bought this in 1957. And what's kind of weird outside of Graceland is the wall that thousands of people, probably hundreds of thousands of people, have written things to Elvis. It's kind of crazy. But then there's his famous gate. He has a famous gate with the music notes on it and, and, and a look of him on the gate. But yes, this place is, you know, a top place to go see when you're here in Memphis. As I said, Elvis bought this back in 57. And when he bought this back in 57, he was only 22 years old. And he paid $101,500 for it. It sits on 13 acres of land. Now, Graceland is actually named after the original owner. And it's not just the original owner, it's the original owner's aunt was named Grace, and they called it Graceland. This used to sit on 500 acres of land. But when Elvis bought it, it was like 13 acres of land. So you can actually take tours of the house 
and go see his grave. What's kind of amazing about this place, besides the house, when he bought it, the house was 10,000 square feet. And he had eight bedrooms and eight bathrooms. But by the time he died, the place expanded to over 17,000 square feet. He decided to add a racquetball court. And then he also heard that President Johnson always had three TVs on at the same time for all three major networks. So in the basement, he had to have three TVs that were always on all the three main networks so he knew what was going on. And then he has the famous room that they call the Jungle Room. It's his den, but it also served as a studio. The reason they called it the Jungle Room, it had green shag carpet, it had peacock windows, and then 300 yards of fabric that was all gathered and put on the wall and his pool table. But it also served as a studio because this studio is where his last two albums he recorded. He recorded over 24 songs here in Graceland. What ended up happening when he bought the house, he lived here with his mom and dad, and then he got married, and his wife, Priscilla, and they didn't open this place until like 1982 to the public. So Elvis died back in 77. And I remember the day he died. I was in Panama Beach, Florida on vacation with my parents. And the news came that Elvis died. And I remember my mom crying and all these women crying and I didn't understand why everyone was crying. I was young. Well, not that young, but I was pretty young. And I really didn't realize the following that Elvis had at that time. So after he passed away, his family still lived here. It wasn't until his father passed away that his wife took over being in charge of the estate. And she realized and decided that it needed to be made open to the public. Kind of amazing because this house is the second most visited house in the United States. There's only one house that actually draws more people. What do you think that is? What house? Well, I'm going to let you think about that, and I'll tell you at the end of the segment. Elvis was known for his pets. He had a lot of pets here. Like, he had ostriches, and then people actually donated. People from Australia gave him some some type of Australian animals. They weren't koalas. Um, but he had like kangaroos. The wallabies. 
He had wallabies. He had zebras. He had a lot of unique pets. He had a, there was a chimpanzee that lived here. Spider monkeys were here. He loved animals. So he had a lot of pets here. So this is just an incredible place sitting on this 13 acres of land. I just think it's pretty cool, you know. The whole street's named after him and across the street is his two jets. You can see his two jets over there. You can go actually tour his jets too. There's a lot of things you could actually do here. So, did you figure out what the most visited house was in the United States? The answer is the White House. Hey everyone, I gotta take a fast break. Why don't you listen to my sponsors and let's see where we end up next here in Memphis, outside of Graceland. So when you're out on vacation, visiting Europe or the beaches, just having fun, enjoying life, what is your other best friend doing? Are they behind a cage in that pet spa where they get to come out and join the other pets in the yard for an hour? That's no life. Let Silver Daddy come and take care of your pet. If you are in Broward County and you want a Silver Daddy to cuddle and take care of your pet, then just send me an email at trippinwithsilverdaddy at gmail.com. Hey everyone, welcome back. Two tripping with Silver Daddy. And I am on one of the world's famous streets. I'm on Beale Street. But Beale Street used to be actually called Beale Avenue. This street has a lot of history to it. The street actually starts that way, down there, at the Mississippi River. And it only runs for 1.8 miles. So back in 1841, the street was developed and it was designed as what they would call like traders. So a lot of the shops started down towards the Mississippi and they did trade with all the ships and boats that were traveling the Mississippi, taking goods either up north or south. So when we talk about trade goods, we're talking about companies that you know, hardware, food, wood, coal, whatever these ships needed, that's what they were producing and taking it down to the Mississippi. So all the craft and all the trade goods shops were kind of down that way. That's how this street started. When you went away from the Mississippi, about a mile away, it became like the suburbs of the time and it became a very affluent area so that's what Beale Avenue started that's now Beale Street but as times changed 
what started to happen and around the years, right around the 1860s, a lot of black musicians, traveling black musicians, all started to gather on this street playing music. And they were playing music, and a lot of it was about slavery. And they called it the blues. That is why Memphis is the home of the blues. Home of rock and roll, home of the blues. So now you have all these people playing instruments on the street. Almost sounds like New Orleans. What ends up happening is a group of musicians, um, the Young Men's Brass Band, kind of called Beale Street their home. So blues music really started to catch on in this area. But then in 1870, just like what we talked about on another show in New Orleans, yellow fever hits. During the summer of 1870, yellow fever spreads throughout the United States and hits Memphis really hard. What started to be a very thriving area and becoming a new city pretty much like went bankrupt. They had to get rid of their charter and they just kind of stopped, they had to stop all their development of the area. And many of the businesses went out of business. So a lot of things happened and that was like in 1870. Even the city kind of gave up on its charter and all that. So, in 1890, a guy named Robert Church, he started buying up all this property around Beale Avenue, now Beale Street, but he started buying all the property around it. And the amazing thing about it, because of him buying all that property, Mr. Church became the very first black millionaire of the South. In 1899, he convinced the city and he purchased and built what's down this street here, Church Park. And in Church Park, there's an amphitheater of, over, of about 2,000 seats. And the park was built for musicians to play. And people could listen to them. Not only musicians, but Teddy Roosevelt gave a speech there. Ex um, Woodrow Wilson, also a president, he gave a speech there. Booker T. Washington gave speeches there, it became very popular. So now in the 90s, we have the, in the 1890s, we have all the bands coming back and a lot of black investors started buying businesses <coughs> and developing businesses in the area. They built an opera house 
that's famous. Now, Beale Street is famous for the blues and all these businesses. Right there across the street, if you're watching me on YouTube, that's B.B. King's restaurant and club. Around the corner, I have also the Hall of Fame. Look at all those restaurants everywhere. Hard Rock Cafe. There's over a hundred restaurants and bars here on Beale Street. This place is incredible. Isn't it amazing how Tennessee is like the home of music? You have blues music here on Beale Street. You have rock and roll that was started in Memphis. And then you got their neighboring city of Nashville that also has country music. There is so much music and everything that is happening right here in Tennessee. And it's all happening also right here, everyone, on Beale Street. And this is where we're going to end this week's segment of Trippin' with Silver Daddy. It's just me.